Hey, what's up, guys? This is Marty DeRosa, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. Ah, oh, there's too many. They have to stop. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. Now can you dig that, sucker? <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. This is episode 78. I'm Steve Credo. And I'm Jonathan Benjamin. Jonathan, uh, we're here again. We're back. Every week you will find us on anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Jonathan, who, who, what's in store for today? Today is another amazing show. Dare I say, best show ever. Um, we have none other than comedian and super fan. Marty DeRosa is joining us today on the show. Uh, he's got a lot of great things to talk about, and so I can't wait to, to talk wrestling with him. That's right, guys. And if uh, you like what you hear today, hit us up on our AWP hotline where you can leave us a voicemail. You can leave us messages. You can tell, tell us uh, how much we, we, we rock, how, much we're aw- how awesome we are. Uh, if you have any negative comments, feel free to leave those too. We'll play the best ones Give us a call, 802-297-7672. That's 802-AWP-7672, guys. Uh, yeah, we, we have a hotline. We have a website with all of our links on it. Uh, but more importantly, Jonathan, do you smell that? Every time you ask me to smell something, <laughs> I end up, like, getting nauseous. So let's let's just skip that this year. Well, I was trying to bring in, you know, it's the, it's it smells like Halloween. It smells like October. The cool, cold air is coming on in. Uh, trying to soak it in a little bit. Um, but, but, Jonathan, Halloween's upon us. Uh, we're in that month of October. You know, last Halloween we talked scariest moments. Uh, but, Jonathan, we have yet to talk about structures. The structures that have been a part of pro wrestling for years now uh you know that kind of adds a, a little bit of level of creepiness for this uh uh theme of the month for halloween what do you think you know this is a great topic to talk about because obviously anytime these structures get involved we have some mayhem some carnage uh some blood loss probably so i definitely think that you hit the nail right on the head for a halloween themed kind of show for this month so Let's let's get right into this. Do you have a specific, you know, cage or structure that you really enjoy more than maybe some of the others? Well, Jonathan, there's there's been a handful over the times. Uh, I mean, I'm going back to my earliest memory. You know, the the, the old blue, big blue steel cage uh, that was always used. That was probably one of my favorite cages, only because you know if you hit that cage, Jonathan, you really hit that cage. There was no giving it, man. It was solid. Blue steel. Sounds like uh, Zoolander, uh, Cologne or something. It was solid blue steel cage, guys. Uh, I don't know. I have memories of seeing that cage at house shows, on TV. You know, so many matches. Uh, it's a staple in my childhood of cage matches, Jonathan. Yeah, that cage really probably 
for most of us uh, in the United States and really for the WWF at the time, that was the first cage that we saw. I know that there's, you know, the generation a little before us saw Snuka in the cage, the kind of fence-like chain link uh, cage that they had in Madison Square Garden. But really Big Blue was the one that, that we grew up on. And uh, I'll always hold a special place in my heart for Big Blue. But, you know, with the the times, things start to change and the cage changed with it. So um, as we got closer to, you know, the the new generation era, the attitude era, the, the, the cage changed and we were kind of left with more of a fence-like structure. Now, what were your thoughts on that that cage? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool seeing like a fence. It, it definitely st- uh, stepped it up. I mean, like you said too, if you're a fan of the older, you know, '70s, uh, early '80s, whatnot, you know, they were using that mesh cage, uh, the fence cage, I guess you want to call it. Um, I liked it. Um, it was cool. It definitely reminded me more of like ECW hardcore, like, oh, they're using a fence, you know. It was more, it, I don't know, it just, when I think of like the old school fence ones, it just reminds me more of like my, you know, watching ECW back in the day on uh, TV with that. Um, you know, it, I don't know, like I, I kind of didn't like it at first. It was just like, eh, they're just fighting in a fence kind of a thing. You know, it wasn't, you know, I don't know. I really just still had that blue cage, you know, it wrapped in my memory of, that's what I wanted to see, and I didn't really care too much about it. But uh, you know, I don't know. Times do change, and you got to do what you got to do. But I don't know. I didn't really care for it too much. I don't know. It, you know, that, that's all I have to say about that. I'm like, eh, it's a cage, it's a fence. That's all. They're like in a yard. I feel like they use that kind of a fence to keep like your dog in a yard if you don't have a fence on the outside. I don't know. All right, all right. Well, just, <laughs> I, have just no, re- I have nothing good to say about. Just it, relax. All right. It's just it's all gonna be all right. Well, um. You know, the WWE is constantly pushing the boundaries. Uh, wrestling fans are getting, you know, bored. They say the product's stale. So, throughout the years, we've seen some amazing matches in in structures, and we've seen some not so amazing matches in structures. Um, could you possibly give us your least favorite structure based match? Least favorite structure based match. Um. I mean, you can do it even as a whole. Like, you don't have to say, like, a specific match that you saw. You can just say, I really well, didn't like. Well, does this kind of fit in the realm? I'll tell you this, is that it wasn't... I guess you could kind of throw this in as a structure. It was that, you know, whole Inferno match. Could we kind of throw that in as a, a structure because you kind of had to stay in, in it, in between it's, it? It's our show. We can do whatever we want. Well, there you go. Now we're calling it a structure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of thought it was cool when they're like, wow, it's, the ring's going to be surrounded by fire and this and that. And then, like... The last one with Bray Wyatt and uh, was a cane or somebody like that. But when they had that, it was just like, eh, there's nothing, you know. It didn't even stop the Wyatts from coming inside the ring, you know. They they eventually just walked in from the outside and was like, oh, okay. Anybody could just cross the line of fire when it's not on or whatever. Um, I don't know. That was definitely a most one of my biggest disappointments as a, a structure match, I guess you could call it, quote unquote. All right. Um... Mine probably is going to beat yours. Um, not not that this is a contest, but it totally is. But um, I would have to say the infamous dog kennel from oh. Hell match. Um, it was you know a match with Al Snow and Big Boss Man, kind of situated in a Hell in the Cell, but with dogs 
on the outside and they were all going to the bathroom outside and <sighs> nothing really worked the way that it was supposed to and they were supposed to be you know trained police dogs but they showed them like sleeping during the show and they were just kind of it was ridiculous it was on i'm sure on paper everybody was like this is the greatest thing i've ever heard of in my life but in all actuality it was uh it was not that yeah, I, I, everybody listening to check out anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Look for Al Snow uh, under our guests. Uh, we talked to him briefly about this, and he'll tell you how much he loathed it. He just hated it. Uh, they, uh, I, I don't want to get into it. He'll tell you about it. So check that out. Uh, Al Snow definitely gets into that match. But Jonathan, there's been many structures. Uh, Dog kennel from hell. Um, the, the Inferno match. Uh, but what about, you know, these two are, I, I thought it would have been a lot better than what it was, but what did you think about the Lion's Den uh, when they were making that? And uh, I don't know. Do you think they could have did something better, or were they just trying to uh, counteract uh, at that time? I don't know if it was just UFC or if it was just MMA, whatever was happening. Were they just trying to, like, you know, I don't know, counteract that since Ken Shamrock was coming in? Yeah, I think that they were trying to strike while the iron was hot. They're bringing in Severn at the time, uh, Ken Shamrock. And, you know, I think that there is a crossover there. A lot of the people, I mean, we saw that with Brock Lesnar. So a lot of the fans of professional wrestling are also MMA fans. And so they were probably just trying to capitalize on that. I don't think it was uh, executed as well as it could have been. I think that they could have done more of like a tournament-style thing where it was – Maybe, you know, guys that wanted to show that they were, you know, MMA, you know, tough or whatever, that they could have done that. And maybe instead of doing the brawl for the all brawl for all where the guys just kind of boxed each other, that they could have maybe turned this into a separate offshoot of WWE, which would have been kind of like, um, you know, shoot fighting. So I think that they missed the boat with that one. But um, I mean, obviously they did because we haven't seen Alliance in Alliance didn't match uh, in in years. So yeah, I, I guess so, like when it happened, they figured you know, crap. There's no ropes. You can't you know, you can't really uh, dare I say the f word and fake it uh, too much in the in that Lions Den. I mean, you can't pretend you're doing MMA and not do it. And yeah, I don't know. So it, I guess it was a good idea. It was kind of like the right place, wrong time kind of a thing, maybe. I guess we could put that in that category. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. It was definitely a structure, though, and it, it had a little bit of life, but uh didn't last too long. Uh, Jonathan, I, I didn't see this one live, though, and I always try to go back to it, and I still scratch my head at who came up with it, or uh, was it big overseas somewhere, or what, what did I miss in the Pujambi let me get this right. Punjabi prison match. Um, what? What? Well, um, luckily for you, you have an expert in uh, Punjabi prison matches. <laughs> I was at the first ever Punjabi prison match live at the Great American Bash in Conseco Fieldhouse, Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I was just as confused as everybody else. At the beginning of the day, it was supposed to be Great Khali versus The Undertaker. And then when Great Khali got to Indianapolis, the doctors checked him out and they said that he had elevated liver enzymes. So he was unable to compete. So what ended up happening was Big Show versus Undertaker in the Punjabi prison match. So basically, 
the match was supposed to be this like really sharp bamboo that people had to climb out of one cage just to climb out of another cage. But in actuality, it was not bamboo at all. It was, you know, metal poles painted to look like (laughs) uh, bamboo. So it was was definitely a dud. They've done, I think, only two of the Punjabi prison matches in... In recent memory, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just Googled it, because when you said you went to the first one ever, I'm like, crap, they did more than this one? And uh, I was like, okay, there were two, and only two. So I was like, wow, I, uh, I guess I missed that decade or something. I don't know what happened with me, but I was... Uh, well, I wouldn't say you missed it. I <laughs> Well, there you go. Another structure on our list, Jonathan. Uh, there's there's quite a few more, though. Yeah, absolutely. We we talk about it, and this Sunday, obviously, if you uh, haven't been living under a rock, you know that it is Hell in a Cell. We um, talked about it a little bit, but the Hell in a Cell, I think, really kind of took it up a notch. A lot of people talked about the cage matches and all that stuff, but then in 1997, we got the first ever Hell in a Cell Brutal. match, and uh, it was Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker and I think that kind of set the precedent of these these Hell in a Cell matches uh, uh, to- I, I, I don't know Jonathan Undertaker versus Mankind that was Hell in a Cell that just pff, I don't think I don't know I, that was like one of the I know we talked about it here and there on past episodes but oh, man I, I'm, I'm surprised they did any more after that match that just all I think about Hell in a Cell is that match no and I think that that's because you saw somebody literally get thrown <laughs> off of a giant cage. But um, I think that the match itself is kind of, you know, reinvented itself. It started out as a kind of big clumsy structure, and now it's, you know, it's a little bit uh, a little bit tightened up. It looks a little bit better yeah, now. And, it you know, yeah, uh, the, the problem, I think, with it now is that it's got to live up to all the other ones. And that's the same thing with like money in the bank and any of those kind of gimmick matches is that they, you know, hell in the cell is a pay-per-view now. So they use it at least once a year. And I think that if they would let it kind of go away for a while and then come back, that it would definitely kind of make it feel a little, um, you know, a little more special, I guess. All right. Jonathan, one thing, uh, I, we kind of saw one place, uh, which is everybody's favorite home movie, Ready to Rumble, uh, where they had the cage on top of a cage on top of a cage. Um, I don't know if they had a name for this, but uh, did, we saw it someplace, too. They only did it, like, once, maybe, I think, or what? Yeah, they did it at, at War Games, and uh, I think it was War Games 2000. Another Vince Russo idea, um, something just that boggles the mind, really. And... Um, I think once again, it's it's just trying to capitalize or get that quick hit. It's uh, shock value. You see this cage on top of another cage on top of another cage. Your first thought is someone's going to fall off, and you know, will they? Won't they? You're you're kind of tuning in, but it ends up just being like a gigantic car wreck, and no one really walks away looking better than they did walking in. So, um, in the movie Ready to Rumble, it's a it's a great piece of cinematic history <laughs> if you have not seen it i urge all of you to uh to go out there and watch that but um yeah i think that, that this kind of put an end to those matches war games wcw that they did kind of prior to this match 
uh, was awesome. You know, you had two rings, you had two cages, you know, people fought in one cage, people fought in another cage, and then the winners all kind of ended up in the same cage and fought, uh, which is awesome because it was different than, you know, it started out with two people and then from different teams, then somebody else could come in from a different team. So you could have three on one, four on one, two on one, one on three, whatever the case may be. So that was a good idea in theory and probably something that should be brought back to the WWE, but we all know how Vince is with things that weren't created by him. So uh, I would not think that we'll see that anytime soon. All right. Well, interesting. Well, guys, uh, gals, everybody listening, uh, we talked a little bit or a lot about different structures, cages, uh, lion's den, prisons, uh, elimination chamber. We kind of maybe skipped over, but that's another structure. Hell in a Cell, War Games, all this fun stuff, guys. Uh, tweet us at a wrestling pod. That's a wrestling pod. Uh, let us know what, what was your favorite one. Did you have a favorite thing they always love watching? Uh, let us know. We want to know, and uh, we'll 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 respond back to you. Uh, but Jonathan, joining us right now. Coming in, our studio is none other than Marty DeRosa. All right, everybody. On today's show, we are being joined by a comedian, a fellow podcaster, and a wrestling superfan. His podcast, Wrestling with Depression, is helping to bring awareness to depression and other mental illnesses. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome Mr. Marty DeRosa. Marty, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on the program. That was a very nice description of the podcast. That was fantastic. Oh, you no. You should be on all the shows, but I, I do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, now, um, we, I want to. I really want to get into this. It's a. It's a awesome thing, and uh, we obviously just mentioned wrestling with depression. What inspired you to create a podcast about such a serious subject? I I wanted to do the podcast for a while. Uh, I I you know like you said done a million podcasts. I've been on a million podcasts, and a lot of the times there was no real focus to the podcast. And I'm a big fan of podcasts that sort of have a focus, that have sort of a structure. And it's, it's something that, you know, mental illness, depression, something I've dealt with my whole life. And I had a lot of fellow stand-up comedians who also deal with it. And we would talk about it a lot. And it would, it would always be kind of entertaining talks. And I, I just wanted to sort of uh, find a way to, to sort of channel that and, and give it some focus and, you know, make it a podcast and let people out there see that they're not the only people with depression. And, uh, you know, if I can flip in some wrestling references or we have some fun episodes, we'll have some wrestlers on. Uh, it's, it's, it's perfect. Mental health has become a huge topic of discussion as of late. What do you think could be done better here in the U.S. to help many people who suffer from mental illness? I think better health care, better services for, you know, if people need to see somebody. It's too hard sometimes, especially if you are, you know, very depressed. There have been times where I've been trying to find a therapist in my area. And I've had trouble. And when you're, you know, when you're not feeling great, the last thing you want to do is hear somebody say, oh, I'm not taking new patients or, you know, what kind of insurance do you have? No, I'm, I don't take that insurance. Or, you know, oh, you don't have insurance. So I think, I think they need to make it way more accessible. I think they need to have uh, organizations. There's a great organization, NAMI.org, N-A-M-I.org, uh, who's an awesome resource to help find somebody in your area to talk to. But I think it just needs to be more... Um, I think it needs to be just way more, you know, as, as many, you know, stamps.com commercials or audible.com commercials you have on podcasts, but there should be that many, like, 
hey, if you're not feeling right, if you need someone to talk to, there's these outlets to talk to somebody. So I think there needs to be definitely more awareness in that and less of a stigma, you know, less people uh, feeling weird about going to a therapist or talking to somebody or trying medication. Now, I was just going to bring that up, you know, back in, I, I say back in the day, I'm only 31, but back in the day, whenever they, you know, like cancer was just really being talked about, it was kind of a, a taboo subject. A lot of people, um, if you got it, you didn't tell people or, you know, a family member had it, you didn't really say much. And uh, I feel like, you know, you kind of just touched on that, but mental illness uh, and uh, awareness about these things, I feel like that's kind of the new way that this is happening. People don't talk about it until it's too late. So um, I definitely commend you on what you're doing, and uh, I definitely appreciate it. So, um, Thank you, man. That's very, that's very cool. No, I appreciate it. And that's the thing. There, the, you know, any stigma that's attached to it, the more people talk about it, and honestly, the more, you know, inter, you know, if I have guests on who are funny and we can have a, an entertaining conversation about it, and people, you know, maybe they don't deal with uh, OCD or, or bipolar disorder, but they can hear other people talk about it, and they've learned something. So if they know somebody in their life who is suffering from it, they have even, you know, they have just that much more, um, you know, sort of a presence of mind of how to deal with this or how to talk to somebody about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um you're obviously a jack of all trades. Uh, we mentioned a few of the many things that you do in the the intro, but uh, a lot of people probably know you from your your stand up. Now, um, when did this all start taking place? When did you decide that you wanted to start being a comedian? I started doing stand up about uh, I'd say about eight eight or nine years ago in Chicago. And Chicago has a great comedy scene, so I would just go to shows and watch. And it was one of those things where I finally was just like, I think I can do this. I overthought it way too long. I waited too long to get started. And then finally got started, figured out some things. And then just, it was kind of no looking back from there. Who would you consider some of your comedy heroes? Uh, growing up, I, I loved, I mean, I loved like dirty, dirty comics. I loved like Andrew Dice Clay or Eddie Murphy. And pretty much it's like wrestling. I would watch any comedian I would see on TV, just like I'd watch any wrestling, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, oh, I don't like this, I'm turning the channel. If it was comedy or if it was wrestling, I watched it. So anybody you know, that was on Comedy Central, anybody that was on any of the late night shows, I was just, I was, what would watch everybody, even the bad. Like I, that's why I love bad wrestling, too. Like you, can, you can learn as much from watching bad comedy as good comedy, and I'm just, I, can, I can watch a bad comedian special on Netflix and get... Uh, you know, maybe it's a, a, a twisted enjoyment out of it, but just as much enjoyment sometimes out of watching like a Patrice O'Neill or Bill Burr special. Absolutely. Now, um, as far as comedy goes, um, what are some of your goals? I guess like um, we are a wrestling podcast, so I have to talk about this a little bit. So um, as far as your WrestleMania moment in, in the world of comedy, what would that be for you? <laughs> I am just trying to get into the NXT of comedy right now. That's <laughs> wrestling and comedy are very similar. Um, you know, I'm at the point right now where comedy is my full-time job, just like somebody on the Indies who's finally decided like, you know what, wrestling is my full-time job and trying to pay my rent with, uh, with comedy, with acting. And that's, that's the goal right now. And then, you know, kind of everything else just sort of icing on the cake. Obviously you'd like to be on TV. You'd like to do a comedy central special, all those things. But, Right now, the goal is just you know paying my rent with comedy, and, and like I said, it's the same thing as a you know an indie worker out there who's trying to pay the rent through wrestling. Any place you want to perform that you haven't gotten the chance to yet? Uh, I think the, the Comedy Cellar in New York. That's that's 
one of those places that everybody talks about as an amazing place. Um, yeah, there are there are those places that wrestlers all talk about. They love to wrestle at and. Uh, for comedians, there's a place in Madison, Wisconsin called the Comedy Club on State Street. And I was just there and it is, it's the, you know, it's, it's just one of those places where you're just like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And you get spoiled there and you wish every show was that good. Okay. So now you, we mentioned it, we've been tiptoeing around it. I've got to, you know, ask some more wrestling stuff, but, uh, You've picked up quite the following as of late with your adventures in pro wrestling. Have you always been a wrestling fan? Always, as far as I can remember, whether it was like, I mean, I remember getting like G.I. Joe's or, or like the toys that, you know, my older brother had or whatever, and then they became mine. I was never concerned with like playing, playing war with them. It was always, everything was a wrestler. Everything was wrestling related. If you were my friend growing up, you were into wrestling. Like we were watching pay-per-views. We were, you know, wrestling in the backyard. It was always about wrestling. That's awesome. Now, uh, who were your favorites growing up? Being from Chicago in the Midwest, there was some awesome, awesome wrestlers coming through there. Who were some of your favorites? Yeah, we got everything. We got uh, we got WWF. We got you know NWA, which became WCW. We we got world class. I loved world class as a little kid. Uh, that was one of my absolute favorites. I thought the Von Erichs were the coolest. I'm like on ESPN after school. I'd come home and watch world class. And and I was more of like an NWA kid growing up. Like I loved, if you had face paint, you were my guys. You know, I loved the Road <laughs> Warriors. I loved Sting. I loved Muda. Um, and I I I I grew up hating Ric Flair, and then I became like, and then I I learned to appreciate Ric Flair. So the Horsemen and all those guys, Midnight Express. Um, yeah, any of those. Like I just loved the tag teams too in the in that in that era. So those were the, the ones growing up. As you heard. We have just scratched the surface with Mr. Marty DeRosa, and we will be talking with him again shortly. We've got a lot to cover today, but before we get back into anything, we have this podcast that you can check out all over every form of you know social media that there is. But every now and then we do what we like to call YouTube exclusives. Now, these are interviews that you will only hear on YouTube. They're never before heard on iTunes or Podbean or any of those places that we put out our podcast. So you should subscribe to us on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash another wrestling pod. But we also, Steve, we also put up our old shows on there as well. So if you're listening to this one and you want to find out any other show that we've ever had, we're at 78 right now. So if you want to go back through one through 77, you can find that on youtube.com slash another wrestling pod. Hey, guys, what's going on? Hey, who is this? Hey, it's Tig. Tig, man. Tig, man. From WPH. Yeah. All right. Yeah. How's well, it going, man? Good, good. Uh, well, we got you here. Uh, let's talk some wrestling, right? Yeah, guys, we're ready for uh, Hell in a Cell this Sunday, man. What do you guys think? This is going to be great. Yeah, Jonathan, I mean, uh, what, what's on there? This is Taker versus Brock. This is uh, number three, right? Yeah, this is the the final match between the three, and it's inside Hell in the Cell. So uh, you know as well as I do that anything can happen inside that Hell in the Cell. What do you guys think is going to happen here? Because I'm having a hard time figuring out what the ending is going to be on this. I mean, SummerSlam. You saw how that. I wasn't happy with the way it ended on SummerSlam. You know, I'm a big I'm a big mark for Brock Lesnar, and the way he went out. You know, at SummerSlam, basically he uh, yeah. 
Undertaker put him out, right? He he you know, he couldn't uh, he couldn't uh, continue. He was out like a light. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, what do you think, Jonathan? I mean, uh I, you know what? I'm I'm in the same boat as Tig. I'm a I'm a big Brock Lesnar fan, so I uh, I'm really hoping that he kind of finishes this once and for all. Uh, I think that really there's nothing that Undertaker gains from from winning this match. So I think Brock has everything to to gain, and Undertaker has nothing to gain. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, Suplex City versus Low Blow City. I mean, uh, every time we've seen The Undertaker go one-on-one uh, -on -one with Brock, or the, at least in recent uh, memory, uh, he's been kind of giving Brock some low blows, and I mean, I guess that makes him the bad guy this weekend, so this is this is the last and final, uh, maybe final, they're saying that it's the last one, uh, but yeah, I, I think Brock is uh, has to be the beast incarnate and uh, come away with a victory this weekend, Tig. Yeah, low blows, and let's talk about terrible tombstones. I'm sorry, but Undertaker cannot deliver them tombstones like he did once back in the day. I'll tell you, Kane these days even does a better tombstone. What do you guys think? Absolutely, I think that that Undertaker's showing his age, and you know, there's not there's no denying what he's done in the past, but there's you know, there's really nothing left for him here in the WWE. Yeah, the time isn't on his side right now, so I don't know if he can't go any longer, or you know, is this his last match? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you do after this match after after Brock wins. I'm predicting a Brock win anyway, but I, I don't know what he does. What, what does he do after this? Uh, well, Brock's, you know, he said on the podcast, the uh, Stone Cold podcast there, he's going to be around for a few more years, he kind of led everybody to believe. So he's definitely in for the long haul. I can't see what Undertaker's going to do after this. So wouldn't you think this is basically going to put the nail in the coffin for Undertaker and maybe send them out to pasture? I mean, what do you think? Was, was that a pun intended or, or not? <laughs> sure, pun intended, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I can't see, uh, I can't see Undertaker winning this one on Sunday. I, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I do, like you say, I don't think he's got anything left to prove, and I don't know how it would benefit him. I, I don't think, you know, I think he's heading towards retirement here. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're under, we're getting close to the six months away from WrestleMania, uh, so, you know, it's, it's I don't know, is it is his last hurrah? Is it his last ride? Uh, I don't know. I mean, this could be the beginning of the end, maybe. It could be, you know, it's the go-to-hell tour for Brock Lesnar, but maybe this is the goodbye uh, to the to the dead to the dead man tour. I don't know as well. We'll see. I guess right. No, we're definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a great. It should be a great pay per view. Now, uh, Tig, is there any Hell in a Cell that really sticks out in your mind? Like, do you have a favorite Hell in a Cell match of all time, or do you just enjoy watching all of the the Hell in a Cells? Well, they're always great. You know, I was talking to my good friend Joe Mason about this. Actually, he's another uh, big wrestling fan. He loves you. You guys. Sure. Yeah, we know Joe. Yeah, Joe's a great guy. Uh, we've been going to wrestling for the past 30 years, and a lot of the past 30 years I've gone to wrestling with that guy. And we were trying to think about cage matches that we saw, or even if we saw a Hell in a Cell match. And we uh, he brought up that we were in Hartford, Connecticut, No Way Out, Hell in a Cell in 2000, uh, Triple H versus Mick Foley, who was uh, uh, Cactus Jack at the time. And that stands out because that was a brutal match. You, you guys remember that one? There was a lot of bloodshed that night. Yeah, that was. Uh, they ended up on top of the hell in the cell with the flaming two by four wrapped in barbed wire, if I remember correctly. There was a lot of craziness going on there, and and both guys were covered in blood. I mean, it was it was a crazy night. Hartford Civic Center for that, and that would probably stand out most. You know, that that would be the only one that I attended. 
uh, Hell in a Cell match. But talking about you know the standard cage matches and all, was never a big fan of the the big blue cage. I know a lot. I think you guys like that cage, right? With the yeah, the old school blue cage that was real steel. You know, if you if you saw guys using that today, they'd probably really hurt themselves because there's no give in it at all. So uh, it was pretty brutal. But I mean, it was definitely a staple back in the day of of a cage for uh, WWE at least. Yeah, I enjoyed though the old you know the old school style like where Jimmy Snuka did the dive onto Don Morocco. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, yeah. The old standard steel cage that that was always my favorite style. If you know if I could choose. But there were some memorable matches in in the blue cage, like uh, Hulk Hogan versus Bundy. Wasn't that wasn't that in there? That was. Yes, WrestleMania. Yeah, that, was a, that was a good match. Now, Tig, I mean, you're, you're a staple in Poughkeepsie, New York. You're a staple in the city where we're, where we're from. Uh, I mean, do you remember any memorable moments at the Mid Hudson Civic Center that you attended uh, as any wrestling event? Well, you know, I, I was there for a couple of the TV tapings back around 85, 86, around that time. That was when I first started getting into wrestling, and my uncle took me and the kids to a couple of the matches. Um, nothing in particular stands out as far as great matches, but I remember, you know, being bearing witness to Piper's Pit, a couple of them, and, of course, the late, great Roddy, Roddy Piper. That was always entertaining to me and always loved uh, watching Piper's Pits, and to, to see it live in person was a lot of fun. So that would be one of my favorite memories of the Civic Center back in the day is getting to see Piper's Pit being recorded for live television. Great. Well, uh, Tig, I mean, uh, it was short and sweet. Uh, you, we can call it a little bit of outside interference from the Tig Man tonight. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we barely talked to you. We're going to talk to you more in the future. But, uh, Tig Man, thanks for popping by. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, guys. You do a great show, though, and... Uh, looking forward to Sunday, man. The pay-per-view is going to be great. It's all, all roads lead to hell in a cell this Sunday. All right, Tig. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. All right, Jonathan. Before uh, we had a little bit of uh, outside interference, uh, you know, we we're talking a lot about structures today, different cages and dens and prisons and whatever. Uh, Jonathan, you know, we talked a lot about them. We gave some of our ideas. But now I'm curious to know, is it time for a new structure to be built in wrestling, whether it's WWE, New Japan, our Ring of Honor, TNA, whatever? Um, is it time to, to go beyond a cage, go beyond a cell? I don't know. What else could they build? What do you think? You know, I... God, I'm going to sound like this old guy, but, like, enough's enough. I think that we, we've, we're good. You know, like I said, instead of having to go out and create something new and make eight cages on top of eight more <laughs> cages and have, you know, whatever, just just space it out. We don't need 15 pay-per-views a year. We don't need all these new inventions. You know, obviously what happens is every now and then a good invention will come out. Money in the Bank's a great thing. But, um, you know, look at the... Chamber of Horrors match that Abdul the Butcher and Mick Foley were in, where there was the winner puts you know the loser in an electric chair and go back, <laughs> go back and check it out. How about the King of the Road match? Yeah, everybody knows what I'm talking about. So um, there's a lot of stinkers out there. I think that just keeping the cage the way it is, I like what we've got going on right now. Uh, don't try 
to fix something if it ain't broke. Well, well Jonathan, I'm going to kind of counteract that because I don't know. I, I don't want anything crazy. Like, you don't need a zip line into a tank of sharks or anything stupid. Oh, my God. I got it. How about <laughs> we have a match where you zip line into a, a cage of sharks? Copyright. <laughs> So if they use it, you know where they heard the idea first. But uh, I don't know. I I always like seeing something new. I like seeing like new sets. You know, like I like them updating the set every so often. I like them to update the cage every so often. And even if it's not just a basic four wall cage, like I don't know. I mean, what could we do to it to make it so much better, intriguing, or whatnot? Um, I don't know, Jonathan. I mean, I. It, they need to do those old school raws or old school shows where they actually bring back, you know, the blue barred cage. I love that. Um, you know, stuff like that, even bringing back the stuff for nostalgia purposes. But I don't know. Guys, if you're listening out there, what would you want to see happen? Like, what would you want them to build? What would you want them to create? Like, how could you add on to the cage? What could you, I don't know. I don't know what could be done. Um, just thinking out of the top of my head of like what I would want to see. Just something different. I don't know what it is or what it could be. I don't know, but obviously it has to be kind of a cage or a cell. You can't make it bigger than hell in a cell because it's pretty much the whole square floor right right around them. But oh, man, I don't know. I just something different. That's I don't know. I like seeing change. That's what I'm trying to get to. And I like seeing you know them them coming up with something different each time. And I'm not saying reinvent the wheel. I'm just saying put a brand new rim on it. Get some new tires, you know what I'm saying? Uh, spice up that wheel a little bit, and uh, I don't know, keep the fans more interested in uh, your silly war games, I guess. But uh, Jonathan, I don't know. Well, I, I guess we have to let the people decide and let them let them tell us, guys. Once again, too, call us eight zero two two nine seven seventy six seventy two eight zero two A W P seventy six seventy two. Let us know. Talk to us. We'll play your responses on the air next week. Yeah, and you know what, Steve? We talked about this a lot. Uh, we are all over social media. We are we are big into it. We like to respond. We like to talk to you guys. Sometimes we get in some heated discussions, but that is okay. That's exactly what social media is for. So you should definitely get on Facebook as well if you haven't already, which if you haven't, I don't know what you've been doing. Facebook.com slash another wrestling podcast. And now, Steve... Uh, maybe we could talk to Marty about this. I don't know. We'll see what he's got in store. But um, right now, we're going to get back to Mr. Marty DeRosa. We have seen a boom in the underground independent wrestling culture as of late. Uh, why do you think people are looking for alternatives to the bigger companies? Uh, I mean, well, if you watch a three-hour Nitro, I mean, a three-hour Raw, it feels like a three-hour Nitro now. Yeah. But if you watch a three-hour Raw, you're just like, wow, this is not fun. But then you can go to an indie show, and they're so much fun. I mean, I've, I've been, like, I've been spoiled everywhere I've lived. I was in Los Angeles for a little while, so we had, like, PWG uh, here in Chicago. We have AAW. It's just a good indie show is amazing because you're, you're seeing the next guys. And it's it's one of those things where, the people who are the biggest stars now. I mean, I, where I grew up in, in, uh, in Northwest Indiana, we had, I had one show. There was, you know, Punk, Cabana, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, like the list goes on and on. And I can remember seeing, you know, the, the newer guys come on. Oh, who's this Roderick Strong guy or who's, you know, these guys. So you kind of see the next evolution in wrestling but also you just see these amazing matches and, and you're so up close and it's so, it's so personal. 
And I think for me, it's the same thing as seeing a great comedian in a, you know, smaller comedy club versus seeing somebody at Madison Square Garden. It's like, it's just, it's just way more fun when it's, when it's sort of in that intimate setting. Awesome. Now you've uh, you've partnered with one of pro wrestling's fan favorites, Colt Cabana, on numerous different projects. Uh, how did this pairing kind of come about? Uh, just through comedy, he was a big a big fan of stand up comedy. Uh, got released from the WWE, so he's back in Chicago, and we sort of just started uh, trading Facebook messages back and forth, and then uh, met up, and and we started with Five Dollar Wrestling, and then we did Creative Something for You, and then we did Worst Promo Ever. Uh, we're always doing audio tracks for wrestling movies. I think we just released one for The Chaperone. Uh, and we do live shows, which are the most fun. For me, the live shows are the best. We do them every year at like WrestleCon. Uh, we do them in Chicago here. We're going to have a big one the night before Thanksgiving if you live in Chicago. And um, it's just it's just a room full of wrestling fans joking about wrestling and getting all the references, getting the Scott Steiner references, you know, getting the... Uh, the you know the Randy Savage references it's the it's the greatest thing for me. Do you feel like that pro wrestling fans um, are kind of they they know they have to know that wrestling kind of lends itself to being mocked. So do you think that they appreciate having their own kind of wrestling comedian? I think so. I mean, I think you know there's there's those times where like on Twitter, which is my favorite thing to do, is just to tweet about wrestling, and it's funny we're like comedy club you know if they're promoting you or something they'll they'll look on your twitter your facebook page and i'll show up for shows a lot of times they're just like boy you really like wrestling huh you know (laughs) there's just all these tweets about wrestling especially during raw or during a a pay-per-view but to me it's like you know when you have a a perfectly crafted wrestling joke and and it gets a bunch of retweets or a bunch of favorites yeah you can tell that wrestling fans they they appreciate sort of the the comedic aspects of of wrestling and like you said it's like wrestling fans I think they're smart enough to know this is a ridiculous thing that we're all into but it's amazing and it's awesome at the same time and there's there's just things that happen in wrestling you know whether it's uh, you know certain certain wrestlers who just can't help but you know put their foot in their mouths or or just situations or angles that we as fans are just like come on this is ridiculous and it, it you you sort of have to make jokes about it to get back to your podcast briefly, do you feel that comedians and wrestlers are a similar breed of people? And do you think that there are some correlations with both jobs and depression? Yeah, I do, actually. I mean, anytime that I, I run a show in Chicago called Comedians You Should Know, and a lot of times if wrestlers are passing through, they'll come to the show, they'll, they'll come hang out. And even if a comedian isn't a wrestling fan, but we're all hanging out after the show, it, the, 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 the connection is there, the bond is there, there's the, the, the frame of reference is there. So everybody instantly has something to talk about. And and one of the things with comedy, and it's the same thing with wrestling, it's the same thing with acting or people getting into music, it, the app, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote, you know, normal person who uh, just is, is, you know, everything's fine and everything's good, a lot of times they don't get into these, these fields because the people who do get into, you know, a lot of forms of entertainment, there's... There's uh, there's something missing. There's a hole. There's a hole there. Or something. And they're trying to fill it up with that attention from from crowds. And I think a lot of times, if you talk to a lot of wrestlers, if you talk to a lot of comedians, there's sort of a reason why they're doing it. And whether it's you know a, a family relationships or just the way they they were raised or something like that. But a lot of times, there's just sort of this this feeling of of sort of wanting more and 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 sort of wanting that that spotlight or attention. 
Are there any new projects that you're working on that you can tell us about? Uh, well, I just relaunched Wrestling with Depression. I was I was not doing it for a little while um, because my depression was bad. So now I'm back doing that, and I'm back in Chicago. So now that Cabana and I are back in the same city, we'll, we're going to have some more projects coming up. And uh, that's sort of the main focus right now is stand-up in the podcast. But there will definitely be some more, no more projects coming up. Awesome. Now, um, social media is obviously the big biggest thing in the world today. You mentioned you have Twitter. Um, can you tell us all like where people can find you and where they can find out about your comedy and Wrestling With Depression? For sure. Uh, wrestling With Depression is available on iTunes. Um, I've got MartyDeRosa.com is the website that I'm trying to revamp right now. That's, that's going to be eventually the, the destination for everything, and I'll have uh, you know show dates and all that stuff. And uh, at Marty DeRosa on Twitter, that's like I said, that's my favorite thing. And I, I, I tweet out everything as far as shows and podcasts and all that other information. But, but more than that, just you know, jokes about wrestling, which is my favorite favorite thing to do on the planet. Yeah, I was surprised getting on your Twitter. I forget. Oh, it was been a couple of days or whatever. But there was your your banners, the uh, old Hasbro toys with the Undertaker. Uh, yeah. My favorites, Undertake yes. the Ball. Yeah, I know, but wrestling figures, that's another thing, too, growing up that I was just, I was obsessed with. Now, and, I, uh, I I have to say, um, I didn't realize until now that you are, are from, I guess you are a Hoosier at heart. Uh, I am. I'm from southern Indiana, so I am uh, a little bit different from you. I, I But I did move, I'm out here on the East Coast now, and I'm just shocked you know, Chicago, I, I never went to, but it's, um, you know, Chicago gets a lot of wrestling shows. Indiana did not get a lot of wrestling shows, and now I'm completely spoiled being on the East Coast because there's one every minute that you can go to, so. Yeah, where I grew up, I grew up in Cherville, Indiana, which is considered Northwest Indiana, which is basically a suburb of Chicago. You get the Chicago newspapers, Chicago television. You grew up liking the, you know, Bears, Cubs. Uh, Blackhawks, all that stuff. So I've always sort of identified with Chicago more, even more so than kind of uh, you know any team in Indian, Indianapolis or anything like that. But wrestling wise, yeah, we we got everybody in Chicago. And then for that run, that IW Mid South would be in in Highland, Indiana, all the time, and I always won. It was awesome shows. That's that's great. So I have to ask before. Before we wrap this up, um, is there anything else that you want to mention? I know. Could you give us the um, the website again for the you had mentioned it about um, if people are suffering from depression? Yeah, NAMI N A M I dot org, and that's that's an amazing resource. That's how I found my therapist. Uh, they're good people. They get back to you right away, and they're going to make sure you find you know, the help you need. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and I have to ask you, being from Chicago, are the Cubs going to win the World Series? Yeah, there's no doubt about it, of course. That's awesome. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, wonderful guest. Keep up all the great work. And uh, we are looking forward to seeing what else you can come up with. Thank you very much, Jonathan. I appreciate it. All right, and if you're listening to our show, check out all of our friends on these other great shows. That's right, Steve. We have our friends over at PWPNation.com. That's right. Be sure to check out exclusive articles, wrestling news, and other wrestling podcasts such as AWP. Also, be sure and stop on over to Main Event Marks on Facebook.com slash Main Event Marks. You can check them out every Thursday at 9 p.m. hosted by... 
Angry Cooter, where, you know, fans talk wrestling live on a webcam. So be sure you check them out every Thursday at 9 p.m. And if you still have a hankering, yes, a hankering, for more wrestling and just general debauchery, I suggest going over to The Joe Cronin Show. You can check him out on youtube.com slash Joe Cronin Show. Well, that's the show. We want to thank each and every one of you for listening today. Every week we do this show free of charge for you, the fans. If you're wondering, how can I repay these guys? Well, we have just one thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to rate us and give us a good review. Huh? So that's that's more than one thing, but uh, if you're looking for more information about AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. We are all over social media, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Gosh, we've got a lot going on, but if you are an AWP super fan, you can also show your support by going over to ProWrestlingTees.com and buying one of our official AWP shirts. We couldn't do the show without each and every one of you, so tune in next week for... (sighs) Another Wrestling Podcast. Podcast.